girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. I am Dr. Anna Kabeca, the Girlfriend Doctor, and I want to just check in with you. How are you doing during quarantine? How are you doing at this time of your life? How are your relationships? I really want to know. I want to hear from you, and I have been hearing that the these times are really challenging. And I want to share with you, there is a New York Times article that is, has shown, has looked at um, how our relationships will survive during this pandemic. The title was, I don't know if my relationship will survive the pandemic. And it talks about as domestic pressures mount inside homes, the prediction is that we could see an uptick in more breakups separations, and divorces. Now, I don't want that to happen to any of you. We want our relationships to thrive, not just survive. We want to have that sense of we are coming home to the one we love or we are with the one we love, and this is even better than ever. And that just creates such a sense of optimism and health and joy. So to be really optimistic is fabulous. To address the root causes of the problems that are happening is essential in order for this to happen. I know with increased stress in my own life, I had that sense of being disconnected. I knew I loved my family. I just didn't feel love for them. I loved my spouse. I didn't feel love for him. I loved my work, but I was burnt out. So that is a physiologic effect of chronic everyday stress. So we're going to dig deep into this today, and I have a very special guest, someone I ha- whose work I have followed for over 20 years, gosh, since 1999, when I first started my medical practice as an OBGYN in Brunswick, Georgia, I heard of Dr. Laura Berman. Number one, she was from the area, St. Simons, and, and went to school in Glynn County there, but she had been a forefront and she continues to be in the forefront of women's sexual health and sexual health for couples. She is just fabulous. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Laura and just want to emphasize that I am thrilled to have her on the show today because we are going to dig deep into these issues and really give you some pearls that you can start implementing in your life right now that is going to create that joy and increase that sense of loving connection that I know you want to, whether it's your, with your, if you're married, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with yourself, whether it's with those you love, these are principles we want to have. So here we go. So today's guest is Dr. Laura Berman. 
She is an award-winning host of the nationally syndicated show, Uncovered Radio with Dr. Laura Berman, and she has a new podcast coming up called The Language of Love. She's been honored with the Gracie Award for Best Talk Radio Show Host and was recently named one of Radio Inc.'s Most Influential Women in Radio. Dr. Berman is also a best-selling New York Times author of eight books, and she's hosted and starred in several television shows, including owns in the bedroom with dr laura berman the dr laura berman show and sexual healing on showtime she is definitely a well-loved and regular expert on love and relationships on tv radio and written media and is on the advisory board of the dr oz show she is married and the mother of three sons and two dogs and when i was struggling with in my medical practice trying to find solutions for sexual health and women with breast cancer i mean way back in 1999 dr laura her resources were essential for me broadening my understanding outside of what was in my doctor's bag. And from there, her pearls and her wisdom has just really helped me in my own life, as well as so many of my patients. So for that reason, and for so many more, I'm thrilled to have her with me on the show today. So let's bring in Dr. Laura Berman. Well, welcome, Laura, to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Man, there is no better time than now to be talking about this stuff. Absolutely. It's a thing right now, um, for sure. A lot of stress on a lot of people, especially relationships. So what are you seeing now in your clinical practice and working with clients who are, who are struggling with pandemic stress? And how is it affecting, how are you seeing it affect their relationships? I'm definitely seeing it affect the relationships for sure. Um, you know, I think it's really been interesting because, um, you know, when we can't go outside, which for many of us, we can't or couldn't or haven't been able to, you know, you end up going inside. And what I see happen, and I've been, you know, obviously I'm always watching relationships. I drive my, you know, it's kind of a joke with my husband because when we used to go to restaurants, you know, we would be sitting there looking at the menu. And then after five minutes, he'd be like, okay, tell me. And I'd be like, okay, those two are in their first date. Those two are arguing because his daughter doesn't, you know, like I'm, I've analyzed every relationship in the room. I just can't help it. <laughs> And so I notice, right? And I'm hearing things from my clients and from um, online and everything else so, from people. So what I see is that, you know, there's been so long for so many couples where they just haven't been happy, but they're happy enough. There are issues in the relationship, but they can sweep them under the rug. Their ships passing in the night. They're so freaking busy that whatever issues were in their relationship are in the back of their mind because they're just trying to keep afloat and keep the kids taken care of and run all the errands and they're flopping and collapsing into bed and they're just in survival mode. Yeah. And they, Or they're focusing so much on the next thing. Like, what's the big trip we're going to take? What's the next thing we're going to do? So they focus, instead of focusing on the here and now, what's going on in the relationship, they're focusing on the fun they're going to have. Well, the pandemic took all of that away, right? You can't run all over the place. You can't be ships passing the night. You're stuck in the house together, sometimes in a one-room apartment, for God's sake. And um, you're scared about finances, about health, about the politics, about the state of the world. And you are struggling in your relationship. And now it's like right in your face and you can't run from it anymore. And that is a problem, but it's also a blessing because 
It's not like those problems weren't there. You were just running from them. And now you have an opportunity to really, you know, poop or get off the pot in your relationship and really work on them. And that's why, you know, I keep saying that if you have some extra income, um, which I know a lot of people don't, but if you do that, you would have otherwise spent on travel or uh, events or dinners out or whatever else invest in some therapy. Every couples therapist I know is doing remote therapy right now. And so it's a great time to, even if you're not struggling, to really jumpstart your relationship to the next level. Well, and this is the reality, right? It is affecting every couple at some level, right? And I would say it's the exception that's like, oh my gosh, goody, we get to spend 24-7 with each other. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people struggle with that. I just read something the other day that was hilarious that I forget what the percentage is, but a huge majority of women would rather uh, quarantine or, you know, stay at home with their best friend than their husband. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Hilarious. Oh my goodness. That reminds me with like when I first studied, you know, the anthropologic differences between men and women in relationship is that like, you cannot expect a man to be a hairless woman or a woman to be a hairy man, right? They're just not going to be the same as you. So now how do we, how do we reestablish that connection, that love connection? And also really big issue, keeping sex life alive Mm -hmm. and exciting Yeah, that's the other thing we're finding that you would think when people are stuck at home together, they're having lots of sex, but the opposite is true. And, you know, the reasons are obvious to me, right? You're, um, you're stressed. And certainly for women, any kind of stress is going to, you know, put your sex sex drive in the tank. Yes. But chronic stress starts, you know, this better than I starts to affect your hormones um, and your testosterone, which is that hormone of desire, right? And For men, what I think is really always thought was so interesting, you know, kind of makes sense. But for men in general, I'm generalizing, of course, uh, heterosexual men in particular, but any man, uh, stress doesn't seem to affect their libidos except for financial or work-related stress. Because that kind of is like, my theory about that is that that's like the seat of their masculinity. You know, men are Mm. in our, whether we like it or not so much of who they've always been is what they do in the world, you know, and when that's at risk and that's not really most women's sense of self, it's part of it, but not a core principle. Um, And so when that's at risk, it really affects their sex drive. So this is a time where we're having both men and women under the kind of stress that is going to destroy their sex drive. Plus they have kids at home. They're exhausted. If they had caretakers before, they don't now because they're social distancing and the kids are homeschooling and they're having to deal with homeschooling them. You know, so give yourself a freaking break, first of all. Right. Okay. And second of all, you know, I have found that there are a couple of things any couple can do, whether they're struggling or not, if you want greater intimacy, greater connection, and to build desire. Want to know what they are? Oh my gosh, (laughs) please tell me. I'm I'm taking notes here. (laughs) Okay. So um, the first thing I would say, and you know, let's just make these little prescriptions. Okay. So the first thing I would say is commit to spending 15 minutes twice a week alone after the kids are in bed or busy watching cartoons or whatever else, 15 minutes with no technology other than maybe a little bit of music, talking, kissing, and cuddling 
and that's it. No sex, nothing more than kissing and cuddling, and you're not allowed to talk about any logistics. Not about the kids, diapers, money, like no logistics. And some couples actually need conversation starters or, you know, that's fine, whatever. But 15 minutes twice a week. Most couples don't talk 15 minutes at all a week, less than 15 minutes a week about issues other than the logistics of their lives. That is a key part. And what I find in particular for women is when the pressure is taken off and they can start to connect with their partner in a romantic and emotional way, and they're having the sensuality of kissing and cuddling and cherishing and that kind of thing, it really helps to build desire um, and connection, which is key to desire. The second thing is appreciation. So both of you, and if you, you know, if you want to experiment, your partner doesn't know you're doing this, go ahead. You know, you can just do it alone. But five genuine expressions of appreciation a day, even for things that partner is, you know, always supposed to do, like take out the trash or give the kids a bath. You know, you have your roles. Wait, five? Five a day? Can we just start five. with one? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, five. Okay, got it. Because I'll tell you why. Tell me. Because what most of us do, especially when under stress, is we're attaching to stories about our partner. You know, he's selfish. Um, he doesn't value what I do. You know, we're having all these stories, especially when we're stuck at home together and, you know, all this pressure is building. And, you know, whatever story you have, you're going to find evidence for, right? So, you know, if I were to say to you right now, and I won't waste the time doing this, but if I were to say to you, um, look, take, you know, 10 seconds to look around the room and notice everything brown in the room. And then I'm going to ask you, like, focus on what's brown. And then I'm going to ask you to list it. And then you come back and I say, okay, now tell me everything green in the room right? You weren't looking for green. You were looking for brown. And that's how our minds work. We look for evidence to support our beliefs. So what happens when you start looking for things to appreciate, and if, you know, it's stressful to think of five things to appreciate, you ain't looking, (laughs) right? So once you start looking for things to appreciate, now your lens is different. Yes. And you're also shifting the energy between the two of you. And if you are in a relationship with a man, there is nothing more important because all a man really wants, a heterosexual man, and probably, you know, I, now that I think about it, a homosexual man in a relationship too, um, is to have, if they have a healthy libido, to have a sexual partner who desires them and is into them and to feel like they're doing a good job in the relationship. Like that's all they need. We're so much more complicated. We and are, so, we are. That is and, such an important piece, just that to emphasize that they are doing a good job in the relationship. Yes. And if you on, give them, if yes. you give them five gen, I mean, and there's an art to appreciation. And I, you know, my husband has been always my guinea pig, but like, <laughs> you know, he does all my business uh, deals. You know, he comes from that background. So all anything, any company I'm working with or project I'm doing, he does the contracts or whatever. And, you know, when we first got, got together and he was doing this, he would say, oh, yeah, you know, I worked with those people. It was really complicated, you know, as you know, and I finally got the contract done. And I'd say, you know, great. Thank you so much. You know, that's a kind of appreciation, but that's not really the art of appreciation. What I learned along the way is, you know, the best kind of appreciation that really lands if I, is about our relationship. So if I say to him when he says something like that, yeah, God, I know you worked so hard on that. They were really difficult. And I feel so grateful 
that not only do you take on the stress and the logistics and everything else, but that you're so good at it. You're so committed to it. And it makes me feel so safe and loved that someone who I trust and who has my back so completely is the one doing the negotiations. And I feel so lucky to have oh, you. Wow. I can feel that. What a difference, right? 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 It's a Very huge deep. difference. Huge. And even if he took out the trash, which he often doesn't do, but let's say he did it every night, right? And that's just what he does. I could most, in most cases, we just ignore it, you know, because that's just what he does. And Lord knows I made dinner so he can take out the trash, right? But instead you can say, you know, thank you so much for taking out the trash. I so appreciate that I don't have to like deal with the leaky stinky bag and I don't have to go out in the freezing cold. And, you know, I can always count on you when I'm cleaning the kitchen to know that the trash is out of there. And I just love it because it makes me feel like we're a team. Thank you. Right? Yes. So- appreciation, kissing and cuddling for 15 minutes, and a sex date. Ooh, okay. Because most of us feel like sex is supposed to be spontaneous because that's what happens in the beginning of the relationship and, you know, also in the movies. But in a long-term relationship, and especially if you have kids, if you are waiting for sex to happen spontaneously, you're waiting a really long time, probably forever. So (laughs) if you can't wait till you feel it, right? You can't wait till you feel it. And in particular during this time when people's libidos are lower, you know, and, and when we're talking about women and girlfriends and that kind of thing, you know, what I find is pretty much, unless she has like horrifically low libido or pain during sex, you know, If it's just low libido where, you know, your average low libido, what most women say is, yeah, I would rather be doing something else on my to-do list or, you know, watching Bridgerton or whatever else. But once I get started, I enjoy it and think, oh, we should do this more often, you know? And so I think it's really important to source your desire from a place other than spontaneous horniness, you know, from a place of nurturing your relationship. Uh, loving your partner in a language that really lands with them, expressing your love, um, even like promoting healthy blood flow. I mean, whatever motivation you need, it may not, it probably during this time, and if you're over 35, you know, it probably, it doesn't always easily come from spontaneous horniness and that physical need. So that's natural. Now, when you schedule sex, that begins something, that's something that you can count on. Mm -hmm. and that you can wrap your head around. It's not like all of a sudden you weren't at all in the mood and your partner approaches you. You know, you know, it's coming on, it can be a different time every week, but you know, Thursday night, right? Then Thursday, you kind of shave your legs, you're prepared (laughs) for it. You know, it's coming. You're making text. Yeah, Yeah. that kind of thing. So I think a sex date is super important um, as well. And so those, I would say those three things, if you just did those three things, you will be shocked at how much your relationship changes. Those are powerful. That's really powerful. And it reminds me, so much of what you said, there's certain principles, right? Understanding, honoring the differences between men and women, really identifying their love languages. And I'm excited about that. I know you've got a great podcast coming up, The Language of Love. And after this episode, we have Gary Chapman, author of Five Love Languages. So we really want to dig in and and listen, continue to listen in to develop our love language and 
hear and listen to the love language of our spouse and communicate that. But way back when, I was having uh, relationship troubles in my marriage, and I'm a hairdresser of all people, just a very wise woman said, you know, men need three things. They need to be put on a pedestal, they need a good job, and they need sex. And so that authentic appreciation. I mean, mm-hmm. that is paramount. It's not, it's not just sex, right? We need so much more. And for women, yes. there's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll throw the list in is 80 items long, but, um, <laughs> but at least, you know, it's true that, uh, but for us, appreciation is important as yes. well, yes. but it's also, you know, I would say if of, of the, you know, it's not as high on the totem pole for women, what's most high for us or equal to appreciation for men, I think is investment in the nest. In other words, uh, like if you have kids helping with the kids, taking things off her plate, helping with the house, even if you don't understand why the kitchen has to be spotless before you go to bed, you help clean it up because you know it's important to her. That 99% of the time will make a woman feel loved. And, you know, if the more, and I did a study years ago on what the most sexually satisfied women, it was around the country. um, It, uh, it was like a, you know, it was a Gallup poll. And we looked at what the most um, sexually satisfied women had in common. And it wasn't the orgasms they had, although those were important. It was the connection and the closeness they felt with the person they were having sex with. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest predictor for satisfaction, sexual satisfaction. And so that's really important for partners of women to know is that the more can, you know, the irony is the less sexually available she is to him, the more emotionally removed he becomes because his way of feeling close and connected is more often through the physical, through the physical act of sex. So he's not as romantically and emotionally connected. And then she's that much less interested in sex. And then he withdraws even more. And that's when you have what I call the sex romance stalemate, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so guys need to know that romance you know, which I know is a big word that means something slightly different for every person, but connecting emotionally with your person, her in particular, is really important for sexual interest and satisfaction. And for her to want it again and again and again, Mm -hmm. right? To be Mm -hmm. receptive. I agree. I would say to guys, you know, something that takes two minutes, like after sex, that intimacy, Mm -hmm. that connection, that communication, and um, just really that time to be there, be present before you roll over and go to sleep because the oxytocin made you sleepy. (laughs) Yeah. I call that trip to pee pee. (laughs) That's my nickname. It's like tryptophan. You know, like turkey, although I read that that doesn't work so well, but uh, tryptophan that is, but um, it is like that. It makes you sleepy and um, connecting afterwards and connecting, you know, I like I'm always saying, you know, one of my favorite things to explain to couples, heterosexual couples is that, you know, if, if men are a microwave oven, meaning they can go from zero to 60 sexually with desire, with interest, when the opportunity arises, you know, women are like a slow burning stove mm. and it works so much better if you keep her at like a 20 and then she can easily move to 60, right? But it's really hard for us to go from zero to 60. And the way you keep her at a 20 is through that emotional connection. 
mm-hmm. you know, really connecting to her in a way that lands, supporting her in a way that lands, keeps her feeling connected and attuned and like you care and that you're invested and that makes her want to have sex with you. Assuming she doesn't have like no testosterone or pain or something like that. Right, right. Now, Laura, with this, you know, issue, I know I have many clients that have had like, look, they want to have sex with their husband or partner and they are like, okay, well, I'm, you know, he's like dead as his libido Mm -hmm. is shot. Like I'll walk Mm -hmm. by him, try to do something. And Mm -hmm. he is not, he's not getting the hint. So what do you say to her when she's having that problem? Well, you know, it's interesting. I find, so if the guy is uh, this, this is not what I'm saying now, statistical, but it is absolutely my anecdotal experience working with as many couples as I have. Um, if he is over 35, um, the likely, if he has low desire, usually it is either hormonal or he is struggling for some reason with sexual function and Mm -hmm. men will avoid sex if completely, if they are worried about performance or, you know, he's having an affair or is really attracted to men or something like that. Um, Now, if you're, or he's on a medication that is affecting his libido, but it is less likely I find for guys over 35 to lose their interest in sex for more emotional reasons other than financial stress, which I mentioned earlier. Mm. Now, if you're under 35 and raised in families like many, most men were under 35, where you know it's more okay to express your feelings and more emotionally aware and emotionally intelligent than maybe, I'm generalizing, but maybe the over 35ers are. Um, then if he has low libido, it could be all of those things, but you also want to equally explore and weigh, not that you wouldn't explore it with someone older, but you want to really explore the emotional piece. So if that client's partner is, you know, someone, whatever age, who is in, who is someone who has an emotional vocabulary and who has, who is in touch with his feelings then it is just as likely that the relationship is causing low libido as it is for her, you know? And so I do find that men who are in touch with their emotions and their feelings and have that awareness, you know, need their partner to be nice to them if they want to have sex with them. You know, it's the same as women. And so, so what that I would appreciation say to, practice. Yeah. And so what I would say to women, if he's not interested, is have an explicit conversation. Don't just go skipping by him, you know, and hoping he'll take the bait, you know, don't be mean about it, like be loving and caring, but like, you know, and positive, but say, you know, I have noticed that like our sex, I really miss having sex with you. And there have been a couple of times that I've almost like kind of asked you or initiated or flirted with you. And like, you didn't really get the hint. And then I got scared that you weren't really interested. And I just wanted to check in with you about what's going on or how you're feeling. And then you can start to look at solutions for for that. I love that. And I really think that what you said, you know, be positive, be kind, be open, be authentic, mm-hmm. honest, you know, all those things, be gentle, because there's no area I think that I that I've ever seen in a man or woman that is more vulnerable than our mm-hmm. sexual lives and yeah. sexual intimacy. There's, they're so vulnerable. We can be so, so hurt from this. Mm-hmm. 
And you have a great course too on sexual healing. Yes. Yes. Will you talk about that? It's at drlauraberman.com, right? Yeah, yeah, it's right there on the top of the homepage of drlauraberman.com. It's something that I did with a spiritual teacher named Teal Swan, who's a good friend of mine who works a ton with trauma. And the course is basically the two of us demonstrating, so teaching you the process of moving through your trauma, but also demonstrating with these three very brave women who... um, you know, wanted to work with us. And so we took them through the process and it was so unbelievable. And you see them go through the process and it was so unbelievably powerful. You know, I almost wanted to make it into a TV show, but oh, yeah, um, cause it was, cause it could just, it, not because it was so entertaining, but because it was so powerful. And you're, you're kind of watching this transformation of these women, you know, really stepping into their vulnerability and healing. Um, but, you know, what we're seeing is that a lot, a lot of people are struggling with PTSD right now. Yes. Um, and not that they're not always struggling and people are always struggling with post-traumatic stress, but this time in our history with everything going on and all the animosity and all the fear and all the anxiety and being trapped inside and everything else, you know, AOC just talked, as you probably know on that, on her, uh, she did, I think a Facebook live or something where she shared that her trauma in the Capitol when they were, um, you know, going when they bar, uh, what's the word barged into the Capitol, um, that her real trauma was uh, PTSD because she had been sexually assaulted earlier in her life, and she came out and talked about that, which I think is so important because the more that we talk about it and bring it out of the shadows, which the Me Too movement and everything else has helped to do, the the more we take the shame away because there is no shame in this, and the more likely we can heal, you know, because there is yes. healing available. And, you know, the stats a few years ago were that 30% of women and 15% of men report having had sexual trauma or abuse. Those are just the people that report it, right? you know, it's more. significantly more. And if you add in, you know, little T trauma, as I call it, as opposed to big T trauma, like your grandfather, God forbid, molesting you every Sunday, you know, that would be a big T trauma, right? Little T trauma would be, you know, like my dad, for instance, just talking, this is the first example, you know, leaving a Cosmo article on my bed when I was 14 about how to perform oral sex. Oh my goodness. Okay. That would be a little T trauma. trauma. Okay. But a trauma, you know, a and, trauma, right? I mean, and it leaves a mark. It leaves sure. a mark, and it leaves a perception. And it, you know, it wasn't just one isolated thing. These, you know, usually the little t traumas are not just one thing, but they add up. Um, and so, I think people are understanding trauma more and more, and like, okay, maybe that wasn't normal. Okay, maybe that did affect me. And now the key is in taking the shame away because when you step forward and speak the truth of what happened and any of the women in the me too movement will tell you this once shame is exposed to light, it evaporates. Uh, and, and once you bring it out into the open, you know, so much of that heaviness starts to, you know, doesn't solve everything, but it, but it, it really makes a difference. And it's that opening up, right? Being honest mm-hmm. with ourselves, And it's that, you know, that uh, sense of awareness. And that too, we are not to blame, right? Never. We are innocent in this. And that just is a yeah. really powerful realization. We're not alone. And 
you know, having someone to talk to about it that feels like a safe space, right? A safe space to land and just starting to communicate so that story is outside of you and yeah. no longer held so tight in a dark corner, a dark crevice, which I believe all of this really starts to um, be exaggerated, you know, and explosive during menopause, during the oh, menopause yeah. transition. Because, yes, that. I've so seen true. it too. I've experienced but, it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> my perimenopausal transition. But yeah, you know, and I think you mentioned the shame. It's not just the shame that you were a victim. The real shame, and we and we really get into this in this course, is, and it makes me so mad, but it's natural, um, is that the victims almost always blame themselves because it felt good or because they went back again or because they stayed. And, you know, all of those are things normal to do. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether it felt good. It doesn't matter whether you went back to your neighbor's pool after he diddled you the first time because you you don't have a pool and he gave you candy. Like that's normal. You were a child or even if you were an adult and, you know, attacked or, or molested or assaulted and it felt good. That's normal. Those are sexual organs. Women, I mean, this is crazy, but women actually, they've been able to measure that women who, I don't know how they measure this, but women lubricate when being raped. Right, right. And that's also true with new partners, right? Like yes. you can say, well, I'm dry with my husband, but this guy, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm flood. And that is a protective mechanism. We are going to flood out this bacteria, this foreign body, this, you know, foreign yeah. DNA, right? We don't want this. And so it's a flushing that is, is natural to our bodies, in, you know, instinctively. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think powerful, it's so important. Powerful point. not to internalize your abuse or assault as being your fault. I mean, that's like, to me, one of the biggest hurdles to healing. Mm. I'm so glad you're doing this work. I I love all the work you've been doing. I told our audience in the intro that way back in 1999, when I first moved to St. Simon's Island in Brunswick, (laughs) Georgia, I had a client, you know, she came into my office with a history of ductal carcinoma in situ and, and, um, you know, sexual dysfunction. She was 63 and she said, Dr. Anna, I'd rather die than live this way. Help me. Mm-hmm. And her doctor at Emory said, no hormones, no estrogen. And that's where, you know, I really started digging into like testosterone and DHEA mm-hmm. and these things we can do. And I, and I learned about you through, gosh, thankfully for being in that area, but the work you were doing and the books you were writing and, and it really helped me implement that, put those into yes. my doctor's bag to help my patients. That's so, so important. I thank you for all your work and everything you're doing and everything you shared with our audience today here on the Girlfriend Doctor Show. I can't wait to bring you back again and actually bring you back inside the Girlfriend Doctor Club for an exclusive, we can call it a sex-clusive, I mean, on (laughs) boys. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. So thank you for being with us. Any uh, final words for our audience? No, you know, just that sex is a natural and beautiful part of every relationship and every individual's experience. And you are, if you're struggling, there's help available. You're not alone. And um, that's it. You know, everyone deserves it. Good sex, good love, good relationships. And, and despite the circumstances we're in, right, we can change that through this. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I love having you and thank you for this conversation. Wow, girlfriends, that was a powerful interview with Dr. Laura Berman. Again, her website is 
drlauraberman.com and check out that sexual healing. I mean, we all have where areas in our past that may need excavation and having the expert guidance of Dr. Laura is amazing, is truly amazing. So think about this episode today. Write down some key pearls and what is your next right step? What are you going to do in your relationship that focusing on the ability to do five areas of appreciation, five genuine statements of gratitude to the significant other in your life and certainly goes beyond our intimate partner, our husband, our mate. It also goes to all of those that we love in our life, especially during this time when physiologically, because of stress, we're feeling disconnected. So the responsibility here for us to feel that joy and that emotional happiness, that emotional elevation, that emotional validation is is this work that we're doing for ourselves, filling our tanks. And nothing does it more than having a healthy and beautiful relationship. So I want to thank you guys for being here on the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Don't forget, we I am here and you can ask me anything. There is no such thing as TMI. So Go ahead to my website at dranna.com. Go to the show page, and there is a place where you can write me your question. And I want to read them. You know, I'm addressing them and bringing them up in, in these conversations with these amazing experts. So be sure to do that and share this episode with your friends, your loved ones. Be sure to rate it wherever you're listening to, whether it's on YouTube or iTunes, iHeartRadio, um, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen. And I want to thank you for doing that because that does help us grow in influence and bring this information to everyone who needs it. So thank you for being here. Till next time. <music>